0: This is the Fixer Upper Marriage Podcast, because marriage without maintenance will break. I am your happily married host, Jason Parham. Together, we're learning how to make marriage and love better. Today, we're going to learn about the three thieves of true love. Okay, for notes and references, visit fixeruppermarriage.org slash thieves. It's gone, I yelled to my wife as I walked in the door of our house after a long day of work. I feel sick to my stomach, and I'm like angry at the same time. Pulling into our driveway, I knew it right away. There's nothing left but pieces of a broken lock. And now I'm frantically searching and dial the number for like the local police. I don't think this has ever happened to me before. But suddenly... I'm a helpless victim of a crime. I work hard for my money, and I have saved for months to buy this thing. And just like that, it was gone. So the police came out right away. Someone took it when I wasn't there. How could they do that? How dare someone take something that did not belong to them? I'm filling out a police report and describing what they took. It was there when I left for work that morning. I think it's gone now and I don't know what else to say. Everyone knows how I could have kept this from happening. Everybody now is like a Monday morning quarterback for me. I should have hit it. I should have used better locks. I should have made it harder to steal. I should have bought insurance. But none of this is helping because none of that can bring the stuff that I've lost back. So I decide I'm going to find it somewhere. I'm going to search everywhere and I'm going to get it back. But I don't know where to look and I don't know who stole it or even why. So I start looking on Craigslist thinking that maybe they would sell it for money. I even go to look at some for sale, pretending I'm a buyer, just to see if it's mine. Once I met these like shady guys behind a gas station And I think one of them may have had a gun under his shirt. But I immediately knew it wasn't mine. And they were angry that I wasted their time. But I told them, like, it's not my fault my trailer got stolen. I even found a suspect one time. And I even staked out his property like a private eye or something. Just to see if I could find it. But I don't know what I would have done had I found it. But I just wanted my stuff back. It feels helpless to lose something that's valuable to you. Even worse to know that like someone else is enjoying the use of it somewhere. For months, I would stop and look every time I saw someone with a trailer like mine. Is that it? Is that the one? No. Mine is gone. Maybe I should be flattered that someone wanted what I had. Or like thankful I was able to have what I lost. Or maybe i get another one someday, but I just can't have that one back. But I wonder if the thief really just reminded me to protect all the things he didn't take. If you have love, you have something that everyone in this world is after. So you have to protect it from thieves. You have to hold it so tightly that no one can take it from you. These are the three thieves of true love, and this is how you keep them from stealing from you. Here's a table of contents. There's the thief of familiarity, the thief of desire, and the thief of neglect. So here we go. The thief of familiarity. They say that familiarity breeds contempt. It's one of those overused sayings that actually has a lot of meaning. But there is this danger of getting close to someone. You learn all about their faults and failures. And in doing so, you start to lose respect for them. Something similar happens when you get married and you start living together. You see all those things you missed when you were falling in love. And now those things are a problem. It's like you just get used to that person being in your life. And you take them for granted. The Bible tells the story of Jesus trying to teach people in his hometown. Even though his teachings were awesome and powerful and he was even changing people's lives, they said, isn't this the carpenter's son? Isn't this the kid that grew up here? Knowing him so closely kept him from being, being able to do things for them. The same thing happens when you've been married for a while. You lose sight of all the awesome things about the person you love Because you've become so familiar with them, and that blinds you. So familiarity is a thief that's coming to rob you of true love. So to fight this, you can use what I'm calling selective perception. Love really is blind. When you first start falling in love, you're blind to the faults of your lover. It's like you become so enthralled with what you like about each other that you miss the faults. I mean, have you ever known of a couple in love and there was something really obvious that they were missing have you ever tried to tell them that there's a problem i mean they absolutely cannot see those problems until you get used to each other then that familiarity causes you to see those faults and that's when the problems begin and that's when like we all look at each other and we nod and we say like the honeymoon is over right Because we know they're no longer blind. Okay, so you can transform your lover by ignoring the bad. My wife says sometimes that I have selective hearing. And she means that only hear what I want to hear. So then having selective perception means that you deliberately choose to ignore the negative parts of your spouse and instead Focus on the positive parts. So in your mind, love can start to become blind again. You choose, you make the conscious choice to change your perception of your spouse. So I am choosing to look at you differently. I am choosing to think about all the things I like about you instead of the things I don't. And with a little practice, you can condition your mind to transform that familiarity into something positive in your relationship. Also, acknowledge what you like about your spouse. So make a list in your mind of all the good qualities that you like about the person you love. These could be things you admire. Or it could just be things that you like about them. Sometimes Christians have a tendency to like over-spiritualize everything. Yes, I love the way my wife has faith in the Lord. But I also like certain things about her personality and her appearance. And it's okay to enjoy those things. So by acknowledging what you like about your spouse, this allows you to focus on those things and keep the thief of familiarity from stealing your love away. So take out some paper or write some things down or just in your mind, make a list of the things that you like about your spouse. And if you're feeling really daring Share them with your spouse. This could change your marriage and your relationship together. So just learn to embrace your familiarity. Instead of it being a problem, learn to embrace it. There is something valuable in that familiarity that sometimes we miss. You can embrace it and use it to enhance your relationship. We can see this in Proverbs chapter 5. And let me read this to you. Drink waters out of thine own cistern and running waters out of thine own well. Let thy fountains be dispersed abroad and rivers of waters in the streets. Let mean only thine own and not strangers with thee. Let thy fountain be blessed and rejoice with the wife of thy youth. Let her be as the loving hind and pleasant roe. Let her breast satisfy thee at all times and be thou ravished always with her love. And why wilt thou, my son? Be ravished with a strange woman and embrace the bosom of a stranger. That's Proverbs 5, verses 15 through 20. You have this amazing advantage of knowing each other. So why would you embrace a stranger? They don't even know you. You know your spouse and your spouse knows you. You know their likes and their dislikes. You know how to bring joy to each other. A stranger knows none of these things. And the longer you're together, the more intimate your knowledge of each other becomes. There's like this misconception that a stranger has something for you that your spouse doesn't. But you can use your familiarity with each other to strengthen your relationship. So you can deepen your love by enjoying the good things about each other that you are familiar with. And your history together should mean something too. If a stranger seems to have something that your spouse doesn't, think about all the things that you've shared together in your familiarity with each other. The love and the relationship that you have built with your spouse is more valuable than what a stranger could ever offer you. The stranger is a lie. The truth is, that person has a lot of things that you don't like. You just don't realize those things because that person is a stranger to you. So learn to embrace the lover that is familiar to you. The one that you committed your heart to on your wedding day. So there's a thief of familiarity. But there's also the thief of desire. What exactly is desire and like how do you get it? It's something that slowly builds in your relationship until it becomes like unbearable. When I first met my wife, I had like interest in her. Then as our relationship developed, it turned into desire. And then that desire grew until on our wedding day, even though there were friends and family that came to see us get married, we were just ready to get out of there because we wanted to be together. And of course, we waited and did our best to try to do things the right way. So by allowing that desire to grow naturally, we experienced something amazing together But there are a lot of people that don't wait. And it's like you spoil that experience and turn it into something that's like mundane. I'm going to tell you something. A honeymoon should be more than a vacation. It should be an experience that you get to share with each other. Desire is one of those things that's hard to measure or visualize. It's the one thing that's stolen more from marriage relationships than anything else. It has almost like this mystical pull why is it so powerful why does it disappear and how in the world do you get it back in proverbs 7 the power of desire is illustrated through like a foolish use of it a young man meets a woman who seduces him into her house with clothing that teases him flirty talk and just blatant advances His desire is pushed to the point where he like loses control and he goes after her in spite of her apparently being a married woman. But in the end, he finds out it was all like this trap to destroy his soul. You can read this story in Proverbs chapter 7, verse 6 through 23. So these are some things you can learn about desire from this experience with a strange woman. First off, you can create desire in your marriage. The strange woman created desire out of nothing. In just a few minutes, she created a desire in this young man that was completely irresistible to him. Here's the way she did it. She offered experiences that addressed all five of his senses. So listen to this. The sense of sight. She was teasing him with what she was wearing. It was revealing enough To make him want to see more. You can see this in verse 10 if you want to read it. So she's offering to fill his eyes with more of what he sees. What she was wearing was an advertisement to him. She wasn't just being ignorant. She did it to make him want her more. Hearing. In verses 5, 15, 18, and 21. She uses words to create this desire. She compliments him. She makes him feel special by talking about him. She gives him a bold invitation. She has these seductive words. So she creates desire with her words. What he heard created desire in his mind. She used touch. In verse 13, she touched him. She grabbed him. She kissed him. So she made him want her by slowly getting into his personal space and touching him. And then there's smell. She perfumed her bed with seductive scents. This is in verse 17. Because she knew that those smells would kind of add to the seduction. And then in taste, she kissed him in verse 13. And then in verse 18, she offered herself all night. This desire that she created was intoxicating. Look, this is why you have to be so careful when you're dating. Because... It just takes a little spark of that intoxication to make you lose control. And that losing control can happen really fast. But the fact that she created desire out of nothing, it means desire is something that you can create. So you can create or recreate desire in your marriage if you're willing to put forth the effort. So addressing the five senses of your spouse can create desire in your relationship. You can use your memories to recreate desire. This strange woman offered something new and exciting. Do you remember when your desire was new with your spouse? My wife and I, we had this amazing honeymoon. We didn't go on some extravagant sightseeing tour or visit some exotic locale. We rented a suite in a lodge in the mountains. And we even got snowed in for a couple of days. But we were together And that's what mattered. And over the years, we have built more memories together. Those memories are an important part of our relationship. And they're something that a stranger could never offer. God designed your senses to trigger memories. For example, when I smell cinnamon and brown sugar, it's like I'm just transported in time to when I was a little kid and my mother was baking cinnamon rolls in the oven. And I remember those times when we sat down and spent time together as a family. So that smell triggers memories. I have this problem, and I'm going to be honest, it's kind of embarrassing. You know, in the movies how when the hero gets shot or stabbed, it's like they just keep fighting. and they just keep going. Even though they're losing blood, they just keep fighting. But here's the thing. When I see my blood, it triggers something in my mind. And I black out is one of the most embarrassing things. And when you pass out like that, medical professionals hold this thing up to your nose and it has a scent and it helps bring you back into consciousness. So whenever I smell something that is similar to that, it brings back all those memories of me blacking out. But any of the five senses can trigger memories in your brain and transport you into that moment. This is one of the amazing things about marriage. You build all these memories together. And any of your senses could trigger those memories that you have created together. So use those memories to recreate desire in your love relationship. You can also use the Bible to control your desire. I said that desire can be intoxicating. It's like you're losing control of yourself. So inside the marriage covenant, God allows you to enjoy certain desires. But those desires have to be within the design that God intended. They have to be within marriage. So losing yourself with your spouse is something beautiful when it's done God's way. In Hebrews thirteen four, listen to the words of the Bible. Marriage is honorable in all and the bed undefiled, but whoremongers and adulterers God will judge. So God draws his circle with the marriage covenant and allows you to have those desires freely with your spouse. It's a part of falling in love and staying in love. But if your desires are running out of control, here's some principles that can help you to control them in your life. So first off, use Bible verses to bring your desire into control. Read and memorize verses that are helpful for you and quote them when you feel yourself start to lose control of your desires. I believe that the words of the Bible are powerful to bring your mind and your desires under control. You don't have to be a victim. You can be an overcomer by using the Bible. Also, you can use the power of the Holy Spirit to keep your desires in check. One of the fruits of the Spirit working in your life is temperance or self-control. So by yielding yourself to the Holy Spirit, you are able to control your desires in a godly way. You can read more details about this if you like in Galatians chapter 5, verse 22 through 23. Use your relationship with your spouse to guide your desire. God created marriage as a means of enjoying those desires in a godly and even a holy way. So cultivate those desires within the marriage covenant because anything outside of it is wrong. So in other words, Let your spouse be the object of your desire. But in all of this, you have to understand that love is more than desire. The culture we're in today exalts desire like it's the ultimate point of life. People think that if your desires aren't being met, then you just can't be happy. Desire and fulfilling that desire is like a God that people worship. Now, I think that's why people are looking for it in different places. Like, same-sex relationships and opposite gender identities and i don't think people are realizing that they are reinforcing traditional gender roles by trying to force themselves to fit into it i mean when you think about a man who wants to dress like a woman he's legitimizing traditional roles by wanting to dress like a woman and in the matter of marriage if male and female don't really matter in marriage why would you be like a husband and a husband or a wife and a wife? They don't realize they're, they're legitimizing the traditional roles that God designed by using the word husband or using the word wife. But I'm speaking from a Christian or a Bible perspective, so it's hard for me to understand how other people think. But just wanting something doesn't make it right or fulfilling because love is more than desire. True love is selfless instead of selfish. Real love is about becoming desirable and fulfilling to the person you love. So the desire for a Christian in love is more about the desires of the person you love than your own. True Christian love is not reciprocal. It's not, you give me my desires and I'll give you yours. Real love has no expectation of equality. Real love prompts you to give without expecting anything in return. It's just like the love that's found in the gospel story. That Jesus, out of his love for you, gave his life for you, knowing you had nothing of equal value to give back to him. Of course I want to give my life back to him. But whether I do or don't, he still loves me because that's the kind of love that he has. This is what real love is. It's giving without getting. Loving without getting love back. Desire is to love and want the best for the person you love. You make a mistake by building your relationship on selfish desires. Because your relationship will end when those desires end. And those same desires will push you away from your spouse and toward another object. You see this happen all the time. When my lover is not loving me back... When my lover is not contributing to fulfill my desires the way I like, well, now I have to find love somewhere else. It's really not love. It's getting your desires met. So it's a selfish thing that we do. And when we build our relationship on the idea of me getting my desires, then when I'm not getting those desires met, then my relationship is Is pretty much over because that's what I build it on. But when you build your relationship on true love, on real Christian godly love, then you stay together out of love. So there was a thief of familiarity. There was a thief of desire. And now we're going to look at the thief of neglect. One of my favorite love stories is found in the Song of Solomon. I like the language they used about each other and the way they talked about their relationship. If you like romance, you really need to read that book of the Bible and slowly imagine what's going on. I think Christians should strive to have a love like that for each other. But there was something they discovered about their relationship over time. And this is how they worded it. In Song of Solomon 2, verse 15, Take us the foxes, the little foxes that spoil the vines, For our vines have tender grapes. In a vineyard, you have to pick up the vines that are growing low because the little foxes can get to them. The little animals that are close to the ground can get those grapes. So they realized that there were vulnerabilities, that there were things they were vulnerable in in their relationship. And if they did not constantly address those things, it can hurt them. So you have to identify things that are weaknesses in your relationship. And you work together to keep them from becoming a problem. Give your love the maintenance it needs. Love is like a classic car. In the early 1980s, my older sister saved up and bought this gold Pontiac Firebird with T-tops. It was an awesome sports car. It had this large decal of a bird on the hood. And the T-tops were just over-the-top cool. If you don't know what kind of car I'm talking about, If you look in the show notes, you'll see a picture of a similar car. But I think it was the coolest car that I've ever ridden in. But that was the early 1980s, and this is 2020. Most of those cars are just heaps of metal and rust now. Unless you kept the oil change and did all the maintenance and fixed all the little things before they became big things. And if you did that, now you have a classic car that is worth a lot of money. Marriage is the same way. Your relationship can end in a pile of rusted metal or you can end up in a classic relationship that is worth more than anybody else can afford. You just have to do the little things to keep it up. That's what makes your love last. Doing the little things to maintain it. But you have to be diligent and intentional in doing so. I think there are a lot of good Christian people today who should have a classic marriage And instead, they're riding around in a rust bucket. And it doesn't take long for your marriage to get that way. But you have to maintain your marriage. You have to keep it up to have a thriving love life. Support your love for each other. Learn how to do that maintenance by using the tools and resources that God has for you. Here's a few of them. You can go to church together. You can read your Bibles together. You can pray for each other or even with each other. Read Christian books about love and marriage. How about this one? Listen to a Christian podcast about making love stronger. Get advice from more experienced couples. Find a couple who seems to have a great marriage and kind of observe how they do it. Do something together with them and observe the way they respond to each other and the way they talk to each other. Look at maintaining your love as a team effort. But even if you can't, like, work together for whatever reason. You can do your part to make your marriage special. And your part may be the one part that changes your relationship. That's what's so amazing about marriage. You know, when one partner in a marriage relationship, when one spouse in the marriage relationship isn't maybe filling up to their role, by you doing your part, by you being a spirit-filled Christian, you can make your love something great take precautions to keep these thieves from stealing your love sometimes the best way to keep thieves away is to make it overtly obvious that you are determined to stop them i mean at your house you can put up those security system signs even if you don't have a security system just the fact that you've gone through the trouble to put the signs up let someone know hey i'm being diligent about protecting my property maybe you can put some outside lights Maybe install some cameras. But do the same type of things in your marriage. Be overtly overtly obvious that you love each other and you're not going to let Satan or neglect ruin your love. Put a sign in the front of your relationship that you intend on fighting for what you have. Put extra locks on the door and make sure those thieves can't get in. Whatever you need to do, but take the precautions you need to keep these thieves from stealing your love. In summary, these are the three thieves of true love. Familiarity, desire, and neglect. Thanks for listening to the Fixer Upper Marriage Podcast. If you have found this episode helpful, share it with a friend. Remember that God has great things planned for your marriage. So don't miss it.